Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Our guest today on the show is Morag Barrett. Now, she is the CEO of SkyTeam and the author of the book, Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships. We're going to spend our time together talking about what winning relationships look like, particularly in the context of the workplace. This is important as many organizations are going back to being in the office full-time or at least part of the time, where we now are going to have to take extra steps to really grow and build those relationships. Lots and lots of practical ideas in this talk, and she was a fun, wonderful guest. So let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. You know what time it is. Let's make sure that seatbelt is buckled low and across your hips. Make sure the personal item is tucked under the seat in front of you. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Morag Barrett, welcome to the show. Hey, Mac. Great to see you again. Great to be seen by you. It's been a few months since we spoke, and we finally got this date on the calendar, and we're here working together today. You are the author of Cultivate, The Power of Winning Relationships, and I'd love to spend our time together talking about that. You know, we have relationships outside of work, but I think what you advocate is relationships within the workplace and in that environment might be useful as well. So um, before we get into our questions here, I was hoping that you could talk about your journey that got you here today and some of the things that you and your company are working on. Okay, so I'll give you the potted history because it turns out there are 53 years of journey to get to what got me here and it happened overnight. Um, but originally from the UK, if you haven't detected the hint of an accent just yet, I'm sure it will come <laughs> out during our conversation. And uh, I was going to be an engineer. I was a bit of a geek and nerd. I was the only girl who was in applied mathematics, the only girl in physics. And I just love understanding how things work. But there was a chapter on how banks create money. And that caught my attention. So I went into finance, the numbers side of business. It was nothing like the chapter in that book in economics. But I spent 15 years um, working with companies at all stages of their life cycle and lending them millions of pounds. And that is the genesis for what got me to where I am today. Because I realized quite early on that you can make the cash flow forecast and the numbers say whatever you like. 
But the truly successful leaders and businesses are the ones that invest as much time in how business gets done, the people side, in order to deliver those results. And so that's why I pivoted into leadership and executive development, which is what brought me to Colorado, where I live right now. And 15 years ago, Mac, when I launched Sky Team with the intent of give it a year and see what happens. And now 15 years later, my team and I work predominantly with IT technology engineering leaders, highly educated, very structured environments, but to bring those often misnamed soft skills to life. And so we're working with leaders in our leadership academy, our leadership programs. We're working with senior teams, making sure that there is alignment around the table with regards to what does success look like. And then we're working one-on-one -on -one with executives at all levels of their uh, organization or career as executive coaches. And that's my passion, is helping us all to be better together. So you've kind of selected that group of end users for your programs based on your experience working with technical people, numbers people. Are generally speaking, most of your clients from those areas then? So in, interestingly, the companies themselves that we're working with span industry. So we're working with a global publishing company. We're work, working with a healthcare chain. We're well working with uh, companies that provide software within the supply chain industries. So it really does span the gamut. But what I've learned is whether I'm on North Slope, Alaska, working with frontline oil drillers, or I'm in Chile or Peru working with gold miners, the one thing that undermines success, whether that's individual career reputations or team success every single day, it's the people skills, which is why relationships in an HR appropriate way are so critical because we don't teach how to show up as a best friend at work, as an ally at work. And we know when it's not working because we go home at the end of the day and go, mm -hmm, you won't believe what happened at work today, what so-and-so said. But how do we come back from that? Because if we're having that conversation at home with the dog or significant other, we're having it with the wrong person. We need to be able to have it with our colleagues and peers. So that's where I'm passionate at. It's bringing people together so that we can build on our differences to deliver exceptional results. In your experience, why do you find that people focus on their differences rather than similarities? So it's easy to point the finger. I mean, I saw that in my banking career. Everything's great. It's easy to be an ally and a good colleague or a good boss when the results are coming in. But when the world goes sideways, when a pandemic hits and we suddenly have to adjust to a work from home environment, or maybe our biggest client has moved elsewhere, when the proverbial hits the fan, that's the true test. And if we haven't invested in our relationships before then, that moment of vulnerability can leave us exposed. You know, our emotions are raised, the stakes are high. That's when we need to know who's going to step up and into the arena with us in order to deliver adjusted results. So it sounds like you had a practice that was going along. And then so COVID comes in 2020, pretty much turns everything upside down. Is mm -hmm. that what triggered some of your observations? I mean, because I think and I don't know anybody who I could say is going to come out of COVID and, you know, the COVID experience better for the experience. I think we've all 
suffered some pretty big hits and wounds and whether it's physical or emotional, I think we're all going to come out of this kind of like, you know, licking our wounds. But mm -hmm. was was that a trigger for some of what you studied, the fact that now we're in a crisis and suddenly we're different, we're working virtual? Did What impact did you see on your clients? So absolutely. I mean, COVID didn't just turn the world upside down. It gave it a damn good shake too. And I think the repercussions of that are not just going to last the two years that we've experienced so far. They're going to last for decades because you think about um, the children that have been born or unable to go to preschool, um, the school-age children who have not had the opportunity to learn through the school of hard knocks and in the play playground how to work with and collaborate with others. That's going to have a huge impact. For my sons, who are all now university level or graduates from university, the impact it's had on their studies as they shifted to remote online basis. And then for all of us, for those of us who had the luxury of being able to work from home, that's one kettle of fish. And what happened in March 2020 is it was almost like an emergency evacuation. Grab your laptop and go. We'll see you in two weeks. And then it was like, oh, well, we'll see you by July 4th. Oh, it'll be over by the fall. And here we are two years later. And the challenge that my clients are sharing is that there hasn't been a deliberate and overt recalibration of what does it mean to be a leader and how we experience the sense of team when we're only seeing each other through a little three by five video window. So in answer to your question, it's re-emphasized the research that I did for Cultivate, which came out eight or nine years ago. And since then, it has also reinforced the research for my new book, You, Me, We, why we all need friends at work and how to show up as one, which will be out in October 2022. And our clients have done two things. There were those in 2020 who called us and said, we're doubling down on the people skills and the facilitation that you and your team are doing, because we see those as anchor points to bring everybody together in a world that is topsy-turvy. So for those that invested in people, who continue to nurture the sense of team and belonging, they are navigating the storm of the great resignation more effectively than those who just essentially sink or swim. You're in your bedroom, you're at the kitchen table, good luck with that. And the only time I see my boss is when they're calling me to say, what are you doing? Hmm. And I don't remember the last time they asked, how are you doing? So it's never too late to start. If you're listening to this, if you've got a team, then I want you to start having those conversations around how are you doing? And I promise that that starts to rekindle that sense of connection that somebody cares and will build the trust for your team to come together, whether it's in-person, hybrid or remote, to continue to deliver the business goals. One thing I noticed, and, and I'd be curious to get your reaction to this, because when I saw it even with our own team, you know, oftentimes we have a team meeting. It's just me and Rachel and Lisa. We'll do it early in the morning, you know, which is usually eight their time, seven my time. They're on the East Coast. Ooh, but, but yeah, well, I mean, to me, it would yeah. be worse, I guess, if I was in the Far East and I had, you know, other time yeah. zones. But 
So, you know, we'll get on our Zoom call and, you know, I can tell both of them just kind of rolled out of the bed and went to the kitchen table. And, you know, I don't have a problem with hair all over the place in the morning, but <laughs> but but what it did and where I'm going with this is and it's funny because people have said this too. you see your colleagues in a different light. Mm-hmm. You know, when we used to go to the office, which I haven't gone to the office in ages, but you know, you, you get yourself fixed up and you get to work and people see how you present. But now when we've worked from home, initially it was, of course, everybody's dressed up. And then it was people were dressed up from the waist up. And then pretty soon people just didn't really care. And then, but, but that's the beauty of it, right? You're talking to someone on Zoom and their cat jumps on their laps and, and cats have this bad idea of sticking their ass right in front of oh, the they camera, do. right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so you, you see your colleagues doing all these things and you're like, wow, they're real people, even maybe your boss. So do you think that it's possible that some work relationships might be closer because of the vulnerability we've seen? Or, or I, I don't know, I, I'm just kind of guessing. So I thought maybe from your perspective, what do you think? So I don't disagree. I love the fact that we've got more casual. I've seen a glimpse into your life. I've seen the kids go past the cat tail, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we've got to remember, I didn't invite you in. This has been force fed and we've seen it. There was um, a movie uh, audition where somebody wasn't on mute and was commenting about the size of their apartment. So there are risks of implicit bias and unconscious bias coming in that that we need to be thinking about. But again, if only if we're only coming together as a team and focusing on what needs to get done and not the team interaction, then I think relationships are going to fracture. And like you, I have a small but mighty team and we have been virtual for 15 years. So we had the technology, we upgraded to fancy microphones, light camera action, the full works. However, choosing to be virtual and having to be virtual are two different things. And so one of the things that my team and I did very early on was to start every meeting with what we call ripples and joys. And being British, it felt a little hokey to start with, but I went with the flow. (laughs) So the idea of ripples and joys is, ripples is everybody shares an impact that they've had for a client or each other. And then the joy can be anything personal or professional that's made us smile and happy in the last seven days. And, you know, you start the first few times and it's surface level. But I I have seen in myself and with the team, as we started to get into the routine of that, the vulnerability, our ability to say, you know what, I'm struggling with the same four walls this week. I, I, I need a break or I need help. And it has strengthened relationships in so many ways that we know our past stories because that professional mask that you t- talked on about how we showed up and dressed has been let down in a different way, all because we take a few minutes to check in on how are we doing not just what are we doing. Now, that's a pretty powerful question and probably good advice. So when you are coaching executives, and, and I'm going primarily to maybe the tech companies that you might focus mm-hmm. on, if, do you see any patterns on the types of things that those executives need coaching on? So stress, anxiety, and burnout. So again, if I use the COVID um, uh, pandemic as an example, when we all rushed home, the one thing I could control was work. And so for many of us, we replaced the commute with bed, desk, bed, and that extra time with yet more work. Mm -hmm. And because we couldn't travel, not really taking time off because it's a staycation. 
And unfortunately, that habit has become embedded. So with my clients, I'm opening most conversations with a what's your number question. It's a very scientific scale of one to 10, where one is I want to go back to bed and pull the duvet over my head. And 10 is everything's lovely, you know, singing in the rain, whatever. Everything's great. And I was working with a senior tech exec only last week. And she said to my sister, what's your number? Three. Mm. Three. Now, wow. there's two things, because that's a very scientific um, a pulse check. But it's also the, is it a one-off? Because had she been eight the week before, what's caused you to go to a three? Is it three and it's been like that for six months? What are we going to do? But ultimately, it's not how do we get you to a 10? It's how do we get you to a plus one? What would it take? What do you need to do for you? Whether it's shut the camera off, go for a walk, take that break. Or is it that we need to reprioritize the workload? So certainly, as you ask, what are the things executives are asking for support in? It's their own sense of well-being. But then how do I engage my team so that they know that I care? And then it's the usual skills of, well, now I'm communicating through a whole new medium. How do I bring that to life and emote through the camera or through the audio alone, if I have it, in a way that engages the hearts and minds of the people I'm working with and for? It almost seems like that is more difficult. I mean, we've we've done so much online stuff in the past two years. And the thing is, you never get a reaction from an audience. I don't know who's snoring, laughing, talking, whatever. I'm talking to a green dot. And, you know, because I'm busy drawing and doing other things. But it was amazing to go to a couple of live events just in the past few months and to have people just stare at you and sometimes laugh at what you say. And you think, wow, <laughs> have I overcompensated looking at a green dot? And now it's coming across in a live group. I'm just wondering as your, you know, your audience, your executives that if and when they come back to work, if they might be more communicative only because they've been forced to overcompensate talking to the green dot on the camera. So I think there's two, uh, two possibilities. Yes, we may overcompensate and it's, yay, Mac, let's go for lunch. Let's go for a drink after work and group hugs all round. But again, being British, I'll stick my hand out first. Let's shake hands first. But <laughs> Unless I you've had a few drinks, right? Yeah, well, until, exactly. And then I yeah. loosen up a little bit. Um, but I was talking to a colleague of mine who delivered a keynote at a three-dimensional event where there were real human beings in the room as opposed to real human beings at the end behind the green dot. And what he was sharing, and I've experienced this myself, I think our social skills have actually atrophied a little bit. So you and I were talking in the green room about facilitation and how we've been used to using technology. Well, now there's the old-fashioned paper and flip chart we've got to do. Heck, there's a person I've got to make small talk with. And I think for leaders in that event, for example, uh, my colleague was sharing that the lanyards had three different colors. Red was back off, tiger, keep your distance. Mm -hmm. Yellow was approach with caution. And green was bring it on. I'm all <laughs> in, you know. And yeah. I think as we plan for that hybrid return to office, not return to work because we've all been working, Thinking about how we can reintegrate the social skills are going to be important. And as leaders, even if we're saying come to the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, don't expect me to arrive at 8 a.m. You know, with an hour and a half commute like I used to. Let's be flexible and say here are the core hours, 10 till 3 maybe. 
So now I can even out the commute, still drop the kids off at school, even out the traffic I have to experience. And in those first few weeks, as we come back to the office, allowing time for those relationships to reconnect, like long lost friends we haven't seen forever, versus productivity, jacket on the back of the chair, all the bad habits that we had in the BC before COVID days. <laughs> it's a good way to look at it. Well, your book, this is the Cultivate book, was written, you said, was it nine years ago you said? I've lost it? track. It's a bit like children. I have to ask them, how old are you? Um, <laughs> so yes, eight years, but it continues to resonate. In fact, I just had somebody who um, called me and has just bought 24 copies for his executive team, Next Layer Down. And the content really does continue to resonate, which is why we've written the sequel, You, Me, We. Um, but yes, eight years of having an impact around the world. Well, I'm just wondering, because I think the premise of the book is is allies, right? Mm -hmm. So would you say that, that that talk on allies has stood the test of time now that we've, many of us moved to the virtual environment? And if that's true, what I, I would imagine it would be, how does that impact how we identify our allies? So absolutely. So the more we, the research that we've done shows that the more we know, like, and trust each other, the more willing we are to have each other's back, to, to go to bat for each other, the ability of the team to deliver amazing results just goes up. And that's our research. It's also the engagement data from Gallup and Gallup 12. In fact, question 10 of the Gallup 12 is, do I have a best friend at work? And of course, they, they talk about the fact that leaders have often said, oh, what a silly soft question, you shouldn't have it but it is one of the key leading indicators for a highly engaged workforce. So in Cultivate, the power of winning relationships, I present what I call the relationship ecosystem. And the idea being here is what are my goals personally and professionally? And then who are the key stakeholder relationships that can either help or hinder in achieving those goals? And there's the usual suspects of my boss, my team, my immediate peers, but then there are the unusual suspects, which are the two degrees removed connections, either within the company, in another division, or my customers. And then once we've identified those stakeholders, then we can apply the relationship ecosystem to say, are they allies? I could call them, as Brene Brown would say, to move a dead body in the middle of the night, but I could rely on them in, a, in, a, in an emergency. I know they've got my back. Are they supporters, fair weather friends, who when the going gets tough, it's crickets. They're not going to take a risk, but they're fun to work with. They're going, yay, Mac, you're great. But they're giving you the feedback you want to hear, not the feedback you need to hear. Mm -hmm. And then on the dark side, there are rivals where it's elbow jockeying. And when it suits their agenda, they're for you. When it doesn't, they're against you. So there you're always preparing and over-preparing, but that's not healthy use of time. And then the adversaries are... At best, brilliant jerks. At worst, just jerks. They're the ones where the relationships just seem tough every single time. And so that has been powerful for the leaders and the teams that have read the book, who've gone through our programs, to break down the misassumptions that happen. Because what you said there, Mac, about when we moved to working from home, let's assume we're on a video call and you're glancing away. I'm now writing a story that says Mac's not interested in what I've got to say. Mm -hmm. Well, he must think I'm stupid. Or he thinks he's better than me. Well, I'll show him. And then we start getting into tip for tap. But when I then switch off after the meeting, I continue to write that story. 
next time we get on a call, maybe I'm a little bit more guarded. Then your spidey sense goes off and says, Morag's a bit guarded. And you start to write a story. But research shows we tend to assume the worst, not the positive. And then we don't have the conversation that brings us back together. And that's the power of Cultivate and the relationship ecosystem. It's how do you avoid those misunderstandings, writing the negative stories and actually getting to how do we work together because of and in spite our differences? Well, that example that you gave almost makes it sound like the virtual world that most of us work in now or the hybrid world could actually be more harmful to relationships. Because I have no idea if maybe you're looking away because you know you got something in your eye, but all yeah. I see is you looking away or I'm looking down writing notes about our talk and you think I'm looking at my phone. And yeah. we may not have had that when we were in a physical office. So well, do you think I could that, see whether you were holding your phone. And here's well, the thing. I, we, but I might not have even done it if we were sitting yes. in front of each other because it's like, well, we're in a room. But yeah. you know, most of us multitask. The challenge of multitask is that for the person that doesn't understand it, it just looks like we're distracted. Yeah. And then, I, then you're right. We write a story. I, I totally could see that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is tough. And if you think about the dynamics on a multi, multiple person Zoom meeting, is what I'm observing and what I'm hearing from the leaders we're working with, it's turning into a respectful one after the other conversation. Okay, great. That's an upside. It's respectful because I'm not interrupting and over talking. But it is more hub and spoke. I go, you go, they go, the next person goes. Whereas in a real meeting, we would be adding on. We would be clarifying in the moment. Matt, can you explain more? And there'd be little side conversations, which can be annoying, but there would be the little, hey, did you just hear that? Do you know, understand what that means for our team? There was also the water cooler conversations as we were going to and from the meeting that helped to reduce miscommunication. But the, the, the nature and the environment, the dynamic that is created in a Zoom meeting is very much one-way delivery, one-way back. There is less spontaneity of conversation, which is stifling, I think, some innovation for those who aren't, again, as I said right at the beginning of our conversation, recalibrating how we use technology and how we need to show up to achieve better results together. Okay. Well, let's go to the allies then, because that intrigues me. You know, I think about when I was in the military, oftentimes, you know, you would go somewhere and you would have a sponsor and the sponsor would be the one to kind of show you around, show you the ropes. When I got out, my very first boss was the vice president of human resources. And on our first week, he took me to a management team meeting and he says, OK, as he's whispering to me, uh, you know, this is this person and that guy over there is this and this is what's important. That was introducing me. But beyond that, I don't think I've ever experienced an ally. So what would it look like for somebody who's new to an organization? I, I think I can see the importance. But what do you look for in finding an ally? Well, I'll ask you and for the listeners on this show, I want you to think about the best boss or best colleague that you've ever worked with. The one that if they called you now and said there's an opportunity on my team that you would consider or jump at the chance to go and work with again. So who's coming to mind for you, Mac? Well, actually, I am. But uh, that, that doesn't count, I guess. Right. <laughs> oh, no, it does. Because in you, me, we, we talk about the fact that we need to be allies to ourselves as yeah. well as being allies to others. So, yay. Um, but okay. think about Lisa. You, you were singing the praises of Lisa, for example. Right. Okay. What let's makes, talk about Lisa. Let's talk about Lisa. Hey, Lisa. Okay. 
Yeah, um, Lisa, so, I hope you're listening. Yeah. yeah this will be the good test. There are yeah. years. Should I tell her this is her last day on the job? Ooh, on the podcast, or should harsh, I do that privately? Though. Oh, okay. I did you see that, that CEO at better.com just did oh, that? Oh, that was, uh, I, I would imagine that that person was not one of your clients, I hope. Mm, no, no. Okay, good. No, no, no. <laughs> So, all right. So we're talking right, about allies and best colleagues. So Lisa, a best colleague, what makes her special? Oh my gosh. Her attention to detail mm -hmm. is most certainly it. And her proactivity mm -hmm. and willingness to try things and okay. willingness to take things off my plate, even if I don't think I'm ready to get rid of them. Ooh, so it tells yeah. you what... So when I, yeah. I've asked and by the way, you can't have her. So I'm not, trying to, yeah, <laughs> don't get any ideas here. <laughs> I am, but you're ally. I would not poach your talent. Hmm. So here's the thing. I've asked that question of leaders around the world. And when I ask them what makes somebody special, a best friend at work, I hear, yes, I can depend on them no matter what, um, that they give me the feedback I needed to hear and a kick in the pants that I, I had. It was tough at the time, but I realized now it's a tipping point for me. They coached and mentored me. They saw something in me that I didn't yet believe in myself. And it isn't that we remember them because they were the VP of marketing or the director of operations or anything. We remember them because of the human skills, the people skills that they brought to the group. So for everybody listening, whoever came to mind as that best colleague, I dare you, I double dog dare you, I want you to send them a message, whether it's a text message, an email, a LinkedIn message, a message to the universe that says, hey, I was listening to HR Oxygen. I was asked to think about best colleagues and I thought of you and here's why. And I guarantee, I get goosebumps because we'll do it in my keynotes or in our workshops. People will send the message in that moment. And then as the replies come in, we'll read them out because you have just made a deposit into that relationship bank account. And you will have either rekindled a relationship that maybe you haven't spoken to them for ages or maybe you see them every week but you will have made their day. Mm. So the key is twofold. It's one is who are those people for you? And if you are new to a company like you've just identified, Mac, I talked earlier, identify what's being asked of you and your goals. Then you need to start showing up first as that ally for others. That's why you, me, we is so important and the sequel to Cultivate, because it talks about the importance of how do you show up as an ally mindset for others and for yourself, which is why when you said, well, me, mm -hmm. then you are absolutely right. Because being an ally does not mean I say yes to every request. Being an ally means I know what my needs and priorities are. And I either say yes, or I say no, and or yes, but. Mm -hmm. And we don't, again, teach people how to do that. So I say yes to you. And I'm thinking in my head, no, I haven't got time for this. And now my stress and anxiety has gone up. I give you a 50, 60, 70, 80% answer. And now you're thinking I'm less than because I didn't deliver 100%. Better to be able to say, Mac, I'd love to. And how does that impact my other priorities? Well, Mac, I'd love to. However, it'll be next week, not this week, as you originally requested. Or, yes, Mac, I'd love to, but it doesn't align with my three priorities for this quarter. Let's revisit it later in the year. That is the power of an ally relationship because I can speak my truth and you are able to hear it. And then we can decide together how we can be better together. Is there a, a number of allies that you recommend? Is it, could you have too many or too few? What are your thoughts? 
Um, so I love that. I do get that question a lot. And the answer is one is a good start. If you don't have one best friend at work, then it's a very lonely and scary place, especially when we're working in a distributed environment. So start there. But the intent is not that we necessarily need to be best friends with everybody. That's 7 billion people on the planet. It would take a lot of cups of coffee and time to do that. But if we're regularly paying attention to three things is how do I want to feel and how do I want others to feel in my presence? Look up, pay attention to the warning signs of what's working and what's not. Then the second bit is how do I need to show up in this relationship to ensure that you get what you need and I get what I need? And then the third part is stepping into and actually doing what we promise, following through and giving ourselves the grace to be human. So did I do my best? And if I, the answer is yes and I'm a 10, great, do it again tomorrow. And if the answer was no, I dropped the ball on that one, well, then do I need to apologize? Maybe. But tomorrow's a whole new day. Be deliberate and thoughtful. Look up, show up, step up. And that's how we start to influence our own individual leadership reputation, but also being cognizant and thoughtful about the relationships with others. You know, on that note, I had seen a video, it was a while back, talking about, you know, the levels of relationships. So you mm -hmm. kind of have, you know, associates, and then you might have friends, and then you have your inner circle. It almost, I mean, where would you put the ally? Would that be your inner circle, your friend group, or your associates? So it's the inner circle, but it overlaps all three because I have allies. I mean, I think about my own team. We are work colleagues who are definitely allies why we're Sky Team. We are a team of allies, but we help to build high-performing teams and organizations. So I think that the divide between work and home has become even closer. We talked about this earlier, especially because of the pandemic. And I know early in my career in finance, I kept being told, oh, it's not personal, it's just business. Mm. Well, I call BS on that. Business is personal. Relationships matter. And the idea of work-life balance was always a misnomer to me because that implied an either-or. And it isn't. You get one life of which work is a part, part of the pie. So an ally can be both a colleague and a friend that you want to hang out with after work. An ally can be somebody who is just a colleague. And when you move on to that next organization, maybe you lose touch with them. But it's mutually beneficial for you both to be aligned and have each other's back for the period of time that you're working together. And of course, I would hope family is your ally and has your back at work mm. and at home. Well, so absolutely. all of yeah. the above is the answer to that multiple <laughs> well, I'm, choice the reason, question. The, the reason I ask, because you know, part of this video, the, the speaker, I don't remember who it was, but he says, you know, kind of take a look at your inner circle, which I guess mm -hmm. would be, you know, somewhat ally. Yeah. And, you know, then they give criteria, you know, so their age, their gender, their sexual orientation, religion, political views and all that. And and then the whole point of that is to realize that for many people and I did it myself is like our our allies look a lot like us and <laughs> think a lot like us. Where is the is there a danger in that? And how would we do that? I mean, should we try to broaden our search for allies just based on that? natural occurrence that we tend to be drawn toward people that are more like us than different than us. Well, yeah, and this is where it all uh, being an ally fits into the allyship, the diversity and inclusion that absolutely needs more care and attention by all of us. 
because the research shows the more diverse that you have or diversity you have on your team and your organization, the different perspectives, life experiences, and so on help to achieve better goals. So yes, adding that as a layer to say, do my allies all look and sound like me? And the, 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 then you could be talking into an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. So seeking out mentors, seeking out opportunities to be different and have different lenses and experiences is a powerful way of rounding out our leadership and our human skills, our ability to connect with compassion with anyone. But it, it's, a, it's intentional. You have to choose how am I going to show up? And we need to look at those opportunities to move out of our comfort zone and be willing to hear feedback that not might not fit our self-perception because that's how we can then choose where we want to turn the dial up or down to flex our style to better meet your needs, my needs, so that we can be better together. Yeah, well, that will take some work because that kind of goes against at least how most people I hang with are wired, which is probably why I need to broaden my network too and search for other allies. It mm -hmm. makes total sense. So, Morag, tell us about the You, Me, We book that's coming out. Number one, when is it going to come out? And number two, can you just summarize it? I don't want you to give it all away because I want people to buy yeah, it. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things. I have a free gift for all of your listeners. Uh, unique URL, SkyTeam, S-K-Y-E, team.cloud, as in cloud in the sky, mm -hmm. SkyTeam.cloud forward slash HR oxygen. Ooh. And with my uh, compliments, you are welcome to come and complete your personal ally mindset profile. So Cultivate was so successful. It's transformed teams. It's transformed organizational cultures. I've seen it transform leadership reputation. However, I consistently got asked, but how do I show up as an ally? How do I show up as a best friend others without becoming a doormat? How do I show up as a, an ally for others when they're being a brilliant jerk and pushing my buttons? And so we continued our research. And in You, Me, We, why we all need friends at work and how to show up at one, we share the five elements of an ally mindset and the why is this important for all of us. And it will be available. You can pre-order it now. So if you go to your favorite book retailer, I'm sure you can find it. Just search for you, me, we, and my name, Morag, and it will be out officially in October 2022. All right. So it, would it be wise for us to go ahead and read Cultivate first and then read that? I'm going to say yes, because you will want them both because they do complement each other. And since Cultivate is already out in the wild and available, then do, because it will set the scene. There is actually a chapter on the ally mindset in Cultivate which we then take and now expand with the advantage of uh, 500 leaders who've taken the profile, the thousands of leaders who've gone through the Cultivate programs. We've refined that research so that we can now all show up as the best boss, the best colleague that others want to work with that help us to achieve our mutual goals and be better together. Excellent. Well, the last question I have is for our audience, I'm going to ask on their behalf, how do we reach out to you to have you help us with this? You do work with different corporations. What's the best way to reach out to you 
And, uh, and then, of course, I'll reiterate the, uh, the generous gift that you gave us here. But uh, how do we find you? So easy. Um, Google Morag Barrett, and you'll see some of my past articles, videos, and all sorts of things on Google. But LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. Say you heard from me on HR Oxygen, and I promise I will connect with you. And if you ask me a question through LinkedIn, I reply. I don't delegate. I love helping leaders to succeed. So connect with me there. You can also follow my team and I at SkyTeam, S-K-Y-E, team.com. And find me, Morag, at skyteam.com is my email address. And I promise I will respond. So if you have a need, if you want a book resource, if you want to explore your Ally Mindset profile results, if you want to explore how we can help you and your leaders raise their game, reach out. I would love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, if you're listening today, let's not forget Morag's generous offer. So you go to skyteam.cloud, not .com, .cloud, slash, slash HR Oxygen, and take advantage of that assessment. Morag, thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing the power of the ally with us. My pleasure, Mac. And remember, business is personal. Relationships matter. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years. And I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.